You're listening to theoutdoorstation.co.uk. Welcome. This is another podcast from SeaKayakRoots.com. I'm Simon Willis, and I would urge you not to listen to this podcast if you don't want to go to Shetland, because after hearing it, you probably will. When people want to go paddle there, they've tended to get in touch with the local club, and in particular, Tom Smith, who also runs SeaKayakShetland.co.uk. The usual question is, what are the must-do paddles? Well, now you don't have to ask him, because not only can you listen to him tell you exactly that in this podcast, Tom has written half a book for Pesda Press. Half of the book is about Shetland, half about Orkney, and it's called The Northern Isles. Not having been to Shetland, I wondered, what's it like up there? The bit about Shetland that interests me is the coastline. And Shetland is, is quite rugged. We have beaches, but they're small. They're, they're little cove beaches. We have lots of cliffs. We have lots of caves. Everywhere there are caves. Uh, the land surface of Shetland, moorland, windswept moorland would be the typical scene. People say that Shetland has no trees. It's not quite true, but it points you in the right direction. There aren't a lot of trees and they tend not to grow tall. The sea must dominate everything up there. Very much so, yes. Uh, uh, you're never far from the sea. Uh, it's said that you can't get further than three miles from the sea in Shetland. Uh, and I'm quite sure that's true. I know where the three miles is and it still feels close to the sea. How do you get there, first of all, if you're a paddler coming up? If you want to bring your own kit with you, i.e. your own kayak, you have to come on a ferry. The ferry comes from Aberdeen. It's every night of the week. Some nights it goes via Orkney, so you could get on in Orkney. Most nights it just goes direct from Aberdeen to Shetland. Is it one of those things you need a cabin, it's overnight, that, co- is it sort yeah, that sort of lunch? Uh, if you're saving money, then you can sleep uh, in uh, in the sleeping seats. You can find yourself somewhere to roll out your sleeping bag, but uh, mostly you'll want a cabin. Okay, it's a long voyage in that case. Uh, 14 hours. And when you get there, uh, where do you come in? Uh, in Larrick, right. uh, the main town. The second point is, did you bring a car? Uh, if you brought a car, then all of Shetland is your oyster. Uh, there are car ferries to most of the main islands. If you didn't bring a car, that's actually not as much of a barrier as you might think. There's a good launch point within a couple of hundred yards of where the ferry comes in. And they let you just wheel your boats on? No problem. You can wheel your boat onto the car deck. You'll be charged the same as, a, as if it was a bicycle. You can wheel it off at the other end, and a few hundred yards along the road, round the corner, there's quite a nice little beach you can launch from. If you brought your own boat, okay, and you hadn't brought a car, because we'll talk about the three best routes, but you probably need a vehicle for that, are you limited to any particular area? Obviously, as far as you can paddle in the length of time you're there, okay. Sure. But is there any, any way you, should you head north or south, basically, is what I'm saying? Uh, it- Again, it depends a little bit how much time you've got. If you've got lots of time, you'll probably want to go north because that'll take you up into the North Isles where there's a lot to see. If you've got a day trip in mind, there's a, a, a brilliant day trip just straight off the, the harbour in Larwick where you can go around Bressy and round Noss, which uh, 
has a big gannet colony and it's, it would be one of my recommended routes anyway. We'll come to talk about that in a moment, but the advantage, I suppose, of being there is you are on the, the east side of the island, so you do have a bit of shelter from the swell. Assuming that it is westerly swell, yes. Uh, oh, yes. really? You, you, you can encounter a lot oh, of yes. easterly Oh, yes, there's a lot of North Sea out to the east of us. You and tell you where I paddle. Well as well. <laughs> yep. Oh, I see. All right, you've cramped. This is a whole different way of thinking about things yep. up here, isn't it, really? I'm sure. thinking of the West Niles and the West of Scotland. Sure. Okay, your top three routes. We've arrived with a car. We're going to spend a bit of time, probably a week, if you're going to come to Shetland sure. sensibly. Where do you aim for? And obviously you have to be careful with the weather and what have you. But, you know, weather allowing. The one that I get asked about all the time and that I would say, if it's possible, give it a go, is Papastur. It's off the west coast. The best bits are very prone to westerly swell. So if there's a big westerly swell running, mm, uh, I would... I would hesitate, but otherwise it's uh, got it's just about the best day trip I know to go right round the island. Papastur is an island here off the, as you say, off the west west coast. So where would you be launching for uh, that, and what's the area like round there? Parking? Mm, that's not a problem. You can drive right to the end of the of the public roads at Melby. The signpost, the road signpost, says Sandness. Uh, locally pronounced Sanus, but uh, it's Melby. Right at the very end of the road, you come to the old ferry terminal for Papastur, not used now. But there's a slipway, a beach, a car parking area. There's also public toilets, so it's quite a civilised start point. It's Papastur something you can get around in a day? Or? You can do it in a day, it's a long day. Uh, the, the actual paddling distance is uh, about 12 to 15 miles, depending on how much you do. If you're setting off from Lerwick, you'd need to allow about an hour, an hour and a half to get there to get to the start point. Okay, so you, we've launched from there. What do we have to be aware of? And also, what's the character of the journey like right from the start? Talk me through it. The first thing you have to be aware of is that Papa Sound, between Papastur and the mainland, is quite tidal. There are strong tides. You're going to have to have worked out your timings in advance, so you're crossing the sound with the slack water. Having said that, there's a, there's a reasonable slack. It's, it's not too difficult, and it's not a long crossing. It's under two miles. So if you've got your timings right, you shouldn't have a big problem. I would normally try and go clockwise around. Sungates, as they say in Shetland, it's a lovely word. Sungates just means clockwise, in the direction of the sun. Uh, you Viking people. Yeah. The alternative is Withergates, which is in the direction of the weather, which goes anti-clockwise. Shetland, Shetland dialect. <laughs> Shetland dialect, it has a few specialities. So we're going Sungates, we're going with the sun, so uh, we're going north up the west coast. There's just the most amazing sequence of caves. The best known is Christie's Hole, which is uh, a big, deep cave, partially collapsed, and the roof of the inner part of the cave has fallen in, so the sun and the stream pours in on you if the, if the weather's right. There are several other really big, really good caves as well. There are a couple of big offshore skerries called the Lira Skerry and the Fogla Skerry with tunnels through them that the tide runs through. The Lira Skerry has this amazing crossroads in it where a tunnel goes north-south and another tunnel crosses it east-west and right in the middle of the skerry is a crossroads. Uh, and you can actually go through this? Absolutely. Not, not, depending on the what? tide and the weather, it's... it's yeah, oh, there's a big be. swell bouncing off the road. I mean, how, how high are we talking? Oh, plenty of height, 20, oh. 20 feet of height above you. Gosh. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, the north-south tunnel is quite wide, 
people regularly go through it in, in small power boats. The east-west tunnel is much narrower and has a shelf at one end, so it's really kayak only. So you really want to be out there on low swell days. Swell and days, yeah. uh, how, how about wind? How affected is it by that? Uh, oh, yes, yes, definitely. The, the wind is a factor. I, I would be very wary of westerly or northwesterly winds on that coast. If the wind strength is above about uh, a, four, a five or so, I'd be looking somewhere else mm. because there are other good places that are more sheltered. Okay, when we're coming around, you've got through these... Is it caves all the way around this island? Yes, the, the best ones, the most famous ones are on the west side, but they're, they're really pretty much everywhere, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, is there any way to land if you wanted to spend the night mm-hmm. there? Sure. Uh, after you've passed the big skerries, uh, there's a, a big bluff headland called Bordy, which has a, a tunnel right through it. It's, I'm told, reliably, that it's now reckoned to be the fourth longest sea cave in the world. It's certainly quite long. It has a double dog leg in it, so the centre section's completely in darkness. So you're talking about taking a head torch with you? Oh, very definitely, yes. I, I, I would always take a torch, preferably a head torch, to Papa's area. And possibly a backup as well. <laughs> Just a, a short distance after that, there's a, a, a bay called Shalmawick, which is almost always possible to land there. Uh, and that's a good break, about the middle of the trip. You talk about landing on beach here or, yep, or it's rock? A, or? It's a shingle beach, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, it's a pretty straightforward landing unless, we're in, unless there's a big northerly, in which case you won't be there. <laughs> we try not to sort of say where you should camp, but no. is this sort of an island where you could camp? Yes, the, the camping's not really a problem. Uh, most people would tend to camp on the east side, where, where the, which, which is inhabited where people live. And uh, I would say the same that I would say to people anywhere. If there isn't an organised campsite and there isn't on Papastour, find a good site that doesn't look like it's going to disturb anybody. Look for the nearest house and ask. Uh, nine times out of ten, it'll not be a problem. And quite often you'll be treated as a guest rather than just as a, as a nuisance. If they say no, well, it's not a big problem. You won't have far to go to find another site where you will be welcome. And you can find f- fresh water here as well? Uh, fresh water in Papastour, um, there is water. Uh, I'd, I'd take your water with you. And then start looking at the history of the place, because with a name like Papa Stur, the Papa coming from Father, from where the uh, the monks well, must have been there. The references to, as to Irish monks, yes. Uh, and... Papastour is known to have been an important place in Viking times. There was an excavation done in the 1970s, and there's still uh, the, the place where the excavation was done is still there with a, with a, an interpretive board explaining some of the history. There's not much else to see apart from the board, to be honest, but it's pretty certain that uh, it was called Papastour because the the Vikings found Irish monks already there. Right, let's finish off this tour. How do we get back to where we've begun? Okay, we carry on along the north coast, and again, it's worth exploring. The headland immediately after our lunch stop at Shalmawick has uh, three little parallel tunnels through it. They're quite short tunnels, well worth exploring. Spend a few minutes pottering about, find your way through them. Continuing on to the northeast corner, if you go right into the bay in the northeast corner, there's a huge cave, really big cave, which again is worth exploring. And all down the east side, there are little little caves and little hidden beaches and all sorts all the way down the east side. T- tell me something on this, because I imagine you're then just going to come back across the sound and Eventually back to where you began. come back across the yeah. sound, yeah. Now, t- tell me, if, if you got out there and you thought, you know, I think the swell's a bit bad and we can't get right out onto the far side, is it worth just maybe trying to get across the sound and look a little bit around the sheltered side of Papastur? 
Definitely. There's a lot to see in the east side. And uh, the Shetland Canoe Club goes to Papa Stewart every year. And there are, there are often years where the west side is really not a good idea. But uh, we still have a good time and there's lots to see in the east side. Yeah. So you basically see where the weather's coming from and yeah. go on into the lee of that. That's right, yeah. Uh, if you are crossing with a big swell, then you'd make the crossing much more easterly, much more in the shelter of the bay. That's your first trip. You've had a fantastic day out there. We want to do a bit more paddling. Might have even had two days there. We want to do a bit more paddling. Where do we go? Okay. If we look at it from a slightly different point of view, let's say that the, there is a bit of a west side swell, but we would really like to see some nice cliff scenery, then I would suggest going up to Ronesvaux, which is in the north of the island. We really are talking about right at the top of the main the island, main island and uh, it's fjord-like loch that just cuts in on the, uh, yeah. on, on, on the west side. What's so special about that area? Yeah, uh, Ronesvo is claimed to be the only true fjord in Shetland in geological terms. It has magnificent cliff scenery on the, on the south side, uh, which is quite hidden. Most, most people are never aware of these cliffs. Even people who've lived their lives in Shetland are often not aware of how impressive these cliffs are because you simply can't see them from anywhere else. You have to be on the water to see them. So where, where do we go in for that paddle? Right, there's a, a little sandy beach at a place called The Blade on the OS map. Uh, you just drive to the end of the road again uh, and uh, you'll find a, a shingle spit where in summer there should be an Arctic Tern colony although their numbers have declined a lot recently and just alongside that, a little sandy beach, perfect launch. Are we talking about the, to the north of this loch or to it's the south? It's on the south side. It's on the south side. On the south side. The south side, mm -hmm. at the head of the loch? No, it's uh, well along the loch. Uh, it's shown in most maps as Haler, but the OS map actually shows the, the peninsula, the, the sandy spit, as the blade. Okay, so that's like halfway along. So which right way do you go first once you've launched? Do we head do we head east, west? What's the best oh, you're way of doing it? Heading west. Uh, the first, at first, you'll wonder. Mm, it's a nice place. It's quite atmospheric. But where are the cliffs? And then gradually they start to build up. It's worth really taking your time in this section and exploring everything. It's, the caves aren't particularly big. There are a couple of smallish caves. What's really impressive there is the little passages and narrow clefts. There are little t tunnels in the rock that you can get through only on the high tide. There are one or two that you can only get through in a low tide. It's worth just exploring, taking your time. Okay, so you, do you actually head out of the loch or just basically following the inside? Yeah. Uh, keep following it. Uh, eventually you'll come to a section where it opens out a bit and the beaches get bigger. Instead of these tiny little beaches in a cove, you'll get a couple of quite big wide beaches. If there's a northerly swell at all, then there'll be a surf breaking on them. And at that point, you, you, the view will start to open out. You'll be seeing it clear to the north. And uh, if, the, if the conditions are right, then head straight across to the north and you'll find a big, wide, open beach called the Langair, just means a long beach, which is, again, almost inaccessible from the land, very difficult to get to. It's amazing to get to these sort of places that, that are otherwise inaccessible. Is that the end of the trip, is that, or is that, uh, that the lunch stop, or...? The trip I've described in the book actually takes you right on from there around the northwest corner of the island and is quite a long day. But uh, as an alternative, you can turn back from there and go back to your start point. OK, so if you're going to do the longer day, you'd go right the way around to where? And you'd end up at Sandvaux, which is on the north coast, a little north-facing cove on the north coast. And organise a shuttle back? Yeah. Why, what makes that trip so good, if you, if you were to keep on going? Keeping on going, uh, I think you pass one of the most remote areas in Shetland. It's quite uninhabited up there. There just aren't any people. This is the west coast of that yeah, very the, the northern tip. The north maven, uh, right up to an, the island called Aya. 
kind of a strange old name. Uh, that island is, is linked to the main island by a little Tombolo Beach, little San Tombolo Beach. Well, that's an amazing trip. Um, now, is there anything we need to be careful of in, in, in way of weather or specific houses there? I should imagine if you're staying in that loch, it's going to be reasonably sheltered. Yeah, uh, provided that the, the swell isn't northerly. You'll know that very early. Uh, if you haven't got a northerly swell, then staying inside Ronisvo is relatively sheltered. Uh, if, if the winds aren't strong and uh, the, the, there isn't a northerly swell, then you're fine inside Ronisvo. Once you come up to the Langair and north of that, then you are exposed to westerly and northwesterly directions and uh, there's a bit more about if, if you needed to could you land between the the mouth of that loch and Ouya <laughs> island yeah, in the finish the could you get off um <clears throat> i have landed in a couple of places there i wouldn't count on a, on a landing there there's a couple of places where a landing might be possible but uh, what you would do then might be an interesting question because you're a long way from anywhere yeah and a long way from any roads judging Absolutely, from that yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. or habitation if it was a bit blowy could you actually turn east in that loch and because you're halfway along it is yeah. it worth going up towards the head of the loch or is um, it a bit dull uh, that's not so interesting no uh, the north side is quite interesting the the, the opposite coast and in fact, if I'd gone out, if I'd gone out as I often do to the Langier and come back, I would tend to come back on the north coast. It's not so spectacular; the cliffs aren't so high, but it's very pretty, and uh, there are a couple of quite nice little caves. Route three. Route three. We're staying pretty close to where we've arrived. I'm assuming that uh, that you've come in on the ferry and that you're in Larwick. You don't even need your car for this one. You can uh, take your kayak on its little trolley, which I hope you've brought with you, uh, from the ferry terminal just round the corner, past the supermarket, to find a nice little beach, uh, and you can launch right into Larwick Harbour. And then you can paddle round the island of Bressy, which forms the eastern side of the harbour, either to the north or to the south, and you come to another little island behind it called Nos. Nos is a uh, national nature reserve, it has one of Shetland's four gannet colonies, possibly the biggest one, I wouldn't swear to that. Uh, it also has huge numbers of puffins and guillemots and quite significant numbers of lots of other seabirds. Can you land on there and see them? Yeah, L a landing on the west side of the island is relatively easy and you can walk across to the cliffs. A landing on the east side on slabs at the bottom of the cliffs is generally possible. Now, I'm just working here, as we said before, on a road atlas, so I I'm finding it a little tricky to see how you come out of Lerwick. Do you go around this bard of Ness yeah. at the bottom here? The, and what's the headland like? at the south end of Bressy is called the Bard, mm. to everybody in Shetland. Uh, that's very impressive in itself. There's a, a big arch right on the Bard. There's also a, a famous cave called the Orkneyman's Cave, much beloved by the tour boats who come out from Larwick Harbour and go into the cave. Does that have any, any race running off it or anything? Because it does seem to stick out yeah. quite a way. The, the tides aren't too strong around uh, Larwick Harbour. It's just the, the way that the tides run in Shetland, uh, you need to look at the northern and southern headlands off the main island and off the, the big islands. You need to look at the sounds between islands. But uh, generally, around areas like that, the tide isn't what you're most concerned about. OK, so when we've gone round Isle of Nos, do we just turn around and come back, or can we get around and keep going around and come into Lerwick from the other side? You can come around, uh, if you can do the full circumnavigation of Bressy and Nos and come into Larwick Harbour from the north side, yeah. And you could do, yeah, what, what would that be like? Is that worth doing? Yes, certainly, yeah. The, there's lots of interest uh, around Bressy. The, the, the south side of Bressy around the Bard is, is more dramatic. The north side is still interesting. There's a, a headland running out to the northeast called, called the Score. There's a passage inside that 
which uh, is generally possible in the right conditions. It's quite a narrow passage. What's it like in Lerwick? Could you get your boat, could you pick it up and move yeah. it around the harbour, OK? Yeah, there are several places in Lerwick where you can get access to the water. It's, it's not, a, not a big problem. I've mentioned in the, in the guide three or four access points, all of which will work. It, it's not a, not a big problem. Now, now, if this has whetted people's appetites for coming to Shetland, they kind of like have two options, don't they? And they both sort of seem to revolve around you, Tom. <laughs> One of them would be to come with you. Tell me a bit about the business that you're running. Right, well, I, I'm based in Burra Isle, which is about 12 miles from Larwick to the west and on the west side, but in quite a sheltered area among a small group of islands uh, just south of Scalloway. And uh, I run guided trips from there basically at all levels I do introductory sessions right up to several day multi-day expeditions mostly what I do is half day and day trips for people who've got a bit of experience but either haven't brought all their own kit with them or don't feel quite confident enough to set off in strange waters on their own you run ccacshetland.co.uk and so if someone had flown in just for a long weekend or something that's when they'd probably contact you so they could use some of your kit but also go out with you and find and, and shortcut the process I suppose exactly and, and that's probably one of my biggest groups of customers is people who've got uh, the time to come in it's now possible to fly to Shetland from London Stansted twice a week for I think it's about £160 return uh, using Atlantic Airways, the Faroese airline. Uh, they only fly in the summer, but that's when you probably want to come. I get quite a lot of people through that route coming to me. I was going to say, what, what time of the year ought you be there? Is it, th- is it that obvious, July, August? Yes, uh, a little bit earlier, maybe June is a good month. The weather is maybe less settled in June, but uh, the birds are all there. July, definitely, and August, definitely. It depends a little on the, on the year. Last year, September was, was beautiful as it was in quite a lot of the country. Some years, September is awful. It just uh, just depends. How, how are the midges up your way? We have midges, but uh, if you've paddled on the West Coast, you will hardly notice Shetland midges. We just don't have them like that. The other option is, uh, of course, your book. Now, just tell me a little bit about, about that. Who's it aimed at? I think probably, from my point of view, one of the the reasons for writing the book was the number of requests for information I get. And it's not that I don't mind giving people information. I'm I'm quite happy to answer anybody's questions. It's just that I kept answering the same questions. And it seemed like a good idea to put it all down somewhere so that I could uh, short-circuit the process from both ends and hopefully give people a nice nice book. Uh, I was very impressed right from the start with Pez de Press's uh, 50 Voyages series, which the book is coming out and I think they're they're beautifully put together and I'm proud to be part of that. You've done 25 of them, the other 25 are around Orkney. This is quite a small compact area really though when you look at Shetland. 25, did you struggle to find 25 voyages in Shetland? No, I struggled to get it down to 25 to be quite honest and I've left out two or three good routes and I've compacted others. You're not saving them for yourself are you? (laughs) (laughs) No, I've given you the best ones in the book. (laughs) Uh, But there are several which could have made it uh, which had to be left out and in a couple of cases I've compacted routes together and hopefully that'll be obvious uh, nobody says that uh, for example if you go to Ronesvo you have to paddle all the way around to Sandvo you can easily go halfway and come back uh, you can do it as, as two separate trips there are lots of others where you can break it up into bits you know I actually think that you might be this might be quite big for the Shetlands tourist economy 
Well, I hope so. Uh, We've had increasing numbers of people coming to Shetland for uh, adventure activities generally. I I think there's a a huge growth these days in uh, what some people call soft adventure, uh, in uh, people who who like outdoors activities in general. Maybe aren't specialists at sea kayakers or anything else, but they just like to go to a place where they can do several different outdoor activities. And um, I hope we can promote that. I also hope we can say to experienced sea kayakers, you thought about coming to Shetland, maybe you just didn't know enough about it. Here's the information. That was Tom Smith, and his website is seakayakshetland.co.uk. The book is called The Northern Isles, Orkney and Shetland Sea Kayaking, and the other half is written by Chris Jex. I also hope to talk to Chris, and by the time you listen to this, I may have already talked to him about the best routes on Orkney. For possibly that and more podcasts, check out seakayakroutes.com and click on the podcast library. I'm Simon Willis. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Find out how easy it is to subscribe to all our free programmes. Visit our website at theoutdoorstation.co.uk. 